Well, good morning. It is a great joy and privilege once again to worship with you here in Grace Church Abu Dhabi. Uh, as Pastor Steve says, I'm Alvin Litonwa, and my wife is right there, isn't Dan? And we're going to celebrate on May 3rd, our 10th anniversary. So the Lord has been faithful. Thank you. Thank you. Please know that uh, Crossroads Church has been praying for Pastor Steve and this church in our corporate gatherings. And a lot of them are, are looking forward to meet you guys, if not here in this earth, in, in eternity in heaven, where there will be no more goodbyes. Yes. Oh, how we long for that day. Are you happy? What makes you happy? Let me rephrase that question. What makes you happy living here in Abu Dhabi? or in the UAE? A similar question was posted in the November 2016 article of Gulf News, where they ask readers what makes them happy living here in the UAE. I've listed down some of them, uh, uh, and I'd like to read some of them to you this morning. One person said, I'm happy because of the easy living, the commuting, not paying tax, Again, this is 2016, okay? <laughs> Not paying tax, multicultural friends, and tolerance. Another person said, I am happy because there is hardly any crime. I can sleep well at night. Another person says, the people and the cleanliness, everything is systematic. One person said, shopping, shopping, and more shopping. I love finding good deals when shopping here in the UAE. Now, the next list here, are, these are not in golf news, but are equally the same and true. I earn more here than my old job back at home. That makes me happy. I'm happy because the greetings that we receive from our lovely Filipino friends in the malls. Hi, mom, sir. That's us. <laughs> food, another person said. Food, food, and more food of many kinds. And one said, I came to Dubai, to Dubai or the UAE to find true happiness. How about you? Where does your happiness lie? Happiness is a powerful emotion that came from God, that God has gifted us. It is in our nature to desire it, to pursue it. And this should not surprise us because the God who created us in accordance to his image is a happy God. God, and we need to understand that God is a happy God. So often we think that God is an angry, boring, cosmic killjoy that is out to get us. But the truth is, he is a happy God. He loves to be God. He takes great pleasure and joy in all that he does. He is infinitely happy because he is infinitely glorious. He is complete, whole. He does not lack anything. He does not lack. He is perfectly happy with himself. He is the happy God. He is the blessed God. In fact, the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, is about the glorious happy God. Just imagine, no one would like to spend eternity with an unhappy God. 
That's, that's scary. <laughs> Max Stiles uh, wrote a book. Max Stiles was a former elder at Redeemer Church of Dubai. And he wrote a book called Evangelism. And he defines the gospel this way. The gospel is the joyful message from God that leads us to salvation. And this is rightfully so. First Timothy chapter 1, verse 11 says, The gospel of the glory of the blessed or happy God. Blessed here means happy. So Paul is saying the glorious gospel of the happy God. The gospel has a happy goal, eternal joy in the presence of God and his people. Jesus invites us to spend eternity with this happy God. Matthew 25 verse 23 says, enter into the joy of your master. Jesus used the word blessed several times in, in Matthew chapter 5, uh, uh, the beatitude, which means happy. Now, I know that there are some definitions of joy out there in happiness that defines it separately. Some defines happiness as this superficial, circumstantial feeling that is very temporal, while joy is this deep-seated affection that lasts longer than happiness. However, the Bible teaches that there is no substantial difference between joy and happiness. They are synonymous and used interchangeably. So, so this morning, if you hear me say blessed, happy, joy, these are all synonymous terms that means happy. Okay. So if you want to know more about that, there is a good book on happiness. That's the title of the book by Randy Alcorn. You may want to get that and put that in your library. Romans chapter 14, verse 17, describes that the kingdom of God is characterized with joy in the Holy Spirit. Jesus came to create a happy people. And God's happiness is unlike anything in this world can offer because it will never exhaust. It will last towards eternity. I'd like to invite us to open our Bibles to Psalm 1. And I will read the passage from verses 1 till 6. Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the ways of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Verse 4, the wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. As we read this passage, we can clearly see that true happiness is found on those who delight in the Lord. I have four points or observations that I'd like to share to us this morning. Number one, what is true happiness? Verses one and three. Number two, where to find true happiness? Verse one and two. Third, what is the fruit of happiness? Verses three to four. And number four, how to get true happiness? Verses five to six. What it is, where to find it, what is its fruit? how to get it. Let's start with number one. What is true happiness? Verse one says, blessed is the man. Again, like we have said, blessed means happy. 
the Christian Standard Bible translate this as, How happy is the one? But in its original language, there is more to it than just mere happiness. It's defined in two ways. First of all, it defines, uh, it says, fullness of happiness or more happiness. Uh, Psalm chapter 4, verse 7 gives us an example of that. It says, you have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. In short, God gives him more happiness than wine can offer. God can provide us more happiness than any wealth or pleasures than anything in this world. And, And that's true, friends. It is true that the world can offer us happiness. That's true. But God's happiness is better because it offers us more than happiness. It is more than anything that we can ask for in this world. Blessed doesn't just mean fullness of happiness, but it also means a variety of happiness. It means this type of happiness can be experienced in different circumstances. This happiness can be experienced in times of rejoicing, of what God has done or what will he, he will be doing. And we can see that in Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 29, when it says, Happy are you, O Israel, who is like you, a people saved by the Lord, the shield of your help and the sword of your triumph. True happiness can also be experienced during times of intense suffering and affliction and we know that to be true because of Paul. He gives a testimony in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 4 to 10. He said, But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, verse 8, through honor and dishonor, through slander and repentance. And praise. We are treated as impostors, yet are true. Verse 10, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. This, this joy, this happiness can't be experienced in the midst of affliction. True happiness is not based on circumstances. It can exist in hard times. And Psalm chapter 1, verse 3, gives us an illustration of that. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Now, the blessed or happy man is illustrated here as a tree. The streams of Palestine regularly dry up as it goes through different seasons, and the imagery that's being told here is a season of drought. The external natural seasons cause the leaves to dry out and die, but since this tree is transplanted by the river okay, of water, it is not affected by the external change of the season. It is healthy, sturdy, bears much fruit in its season because its source of nourishment comes from something that is deeper within. It is the same as the blessed man. The external extremities of circumstances in his life, do not cause him to be weakened or lose his happiness or blessedness. His happiness still exists because his happiness is rooted on something that is much deeper and much nourishing. So this is the nature of true happiness. We'll go back to this later in our third point. Uh, But now, now that we've defined the nature of true happiness, 
where do we find it? Which leads us to number two, where to find true happiness. Where does the blessed man find happiness? Well, the psalmist answered this in two contrasting ideas, both in the negative and both in the positive. In the first verse, it tells us where it is not found. Verse 1, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the ways of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. Walk, sit, stand. Clearly, these are types of metaphors. These three imageries draw the attention to the realms of listening to the wicked, behaving like the wicked, associating with the wicked. The blessed man is careful not to fall from these sequential traps that leads to become more and more evil. The blessed man does not take pleasure in listening to evil and foolish advice from the wicked, nor does he go to them for guidance. He does not adopt the value system of the world, nor in its cultural norms or lifestyles. He does not find the wicked man's jokes amusing, nor he finds their means of recreation entertaining. He simply avoids the participation of their way of worldly living. The blessed man has no interest in worldly happiness. He avoids it because it is wicked, sinful, foolish. It is momentary, fleeting, destructive, and it has a lethal ending. Where do you search for happiness? What would you consider a happy thought or a happy situation? What shapes your happiness? Where is it grounded? Where is it rooted? The blessed man is not shaped, nor does he take delight by anything in the world. So the question is, so where does he find True happiness. And we see that answer in verse 2 as well. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Why does the blessed man take no counsel from the wicked? Well, because he takes counsel from the greatest source of wisdom. God. Through his word. And that's amazing. The blessed man has God's word as its foundation. Everything he does revolves around the word of God. He delights in the law of the Lord. He meditates on it day and night. When we we say meditation here, we're not talking about some type of Eastern meditation technique, okay? That's not what we're talking about. It's not those, those techniques that you sit in a particular posture, you close your eyes, you relax your facial muscles, and, and, and empty your mind, and then make a humming sound like, um, mm, no, 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 no. Friends, biblical medication is not emptying our minds. It's filling our minds with God's word, as Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 says. Meditating on God's word takes intense discipline. This is not simply your five-minute Bible reading or devotional. This is deep, active pondering about who God is and what he has done in light of the truth of scripture that you have just read. But this doesn't stop in the head. Meditating on God's word is not an intellectual exercise, but the goal is for it to travel down to the heart where our affections are stirred towards Christ. 
where we are beholding his beauty, his majesty, his grandeur that leads us to worship and yearn to him and live for him. That's the beauty of scripture. It informs us, stir our affections, and leads us to live a life worshiping him. It is a head-to-heart meditation that guides and fuels our living. A preacher once said, meditation always pursues sweet communion with God. I love that. Meditation always pursues sweet communion, sweet fellowship with God that you are so looking forward to know Christ so that you can worship him more. When we say meditation, we're not talking about a monk who, who secluded himself out in a cave or in a mountain and meditates on God's word till he dies. No. When we talk about meditation, we're talking about a man trying to dri- man driving on Sheikh Syed Road to work, and somehow he's connecting his driving to the Word of God. We're talking about a mother who is left at home doing the daily household chores, taking care of the baby or babies, and she is connecting it to the Word of God. We're talking about students when they are interacting with their classmates. They're trying to navigate the conversation to the word of God. This is the young professional who is planning his career and future here in Abu Dhabi and is connecting it to the word of God. These are the parents when they discipline their children. They're not hasty, but they discipline it thinking, connecting it to the word of God. This is the applicant in Abu Dhabi who finally receives a job offer but was not hasty taking the job. Why? Because he first connects it to the word of God. This is the the, the employee when he received his salary before he spends a single fill is thinking of ways how he can connect it to the word of God. This is the businessman. When he makes business transactions and deals, he's connecting it to the word of God. This is the bachelor and the bachelorette before committing to a relationship, waits patiently. Why? Because they are connecting it to the word of God. This is you and me. When we open our social medias, Before we write a comment, post our pictures, quote someone and post it on the walls, or before we visit any website, we connect it to the word of God. He meditates on it day and night, pursuing sweet communion with God. Psalm 119 verse 97 says, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. The blessed man makes God's word the main reference in everything that he does in his life. The blessed man is marked by this constant contemplation, internalization of God's word and allows it to shape, direct, guide his decision-making Actions, language, and priorities. As he studies, meditates, and seeks to apply God's word, his heart 
begins to delight on it, cherish it. His prayers, way of life, even his happiness are now shaped by the very things that gives God delight. Psalm 37 verse 4 says, Delight yourself unto the Lord and he will give you the desires of your hearts. When one delights in the, low, the word of the Lord, God shapes his heart so it desires the pleasures of the Lord. The psalmist becomes so captivated by God's word that it shapes the way he is thinking and his living. Friends, what captivates your heart? What captivates your heart will influence the way you think, speak, and plan. I don't know what captivate your, captivates your hearts right now, but is it marked by one who is captivated by the word of God? Do we meditate on God's word to have sweet fellowship with him every day? Or do we use God's word to win arguments or bully someone in social media? Where is true happiness found? It is found in the meditation of God's word, pursuing sweet communion with God. Third, what is the fruit of true happiness then? What is the fruit? You see that in verse 3 to 4. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Trees are always subject to give fruits in its season. It does not always bear fruit, but, but this particular tree, though in a dry climate, it, it thrives because it is transplanted and nourished by, by, by the streams of water where it was planted. Its roots has constant supply of water regardless the changes of season. Though there is no visible fruit due to its season, it stays strong, sturdy, thriving, and healthy. And its fruits will come out in season and it will benefit others. This is the picture of the blessed man. A blessed man, though he goes through tough seasons, he will always have life. And in its prosperous season, it will, it will bear fruit. Because the blessed man delights in the word of God. He will continue serving. He will continue trusting. He will continue to be faithful. He will continue to hope on God. Though he is rejected, though he was persecuted, though he is mocked, he will press on and continue to put his hope in God. Why? Because he draws from the river of life himself, God. He does not draw strength from any sources, from any circumstances but the permanent circumstance, Christ, who died for his place, in his place. If he does not see visible ministry fruit, he will not be frustrated. He will not get anxious. Instead, he will fix his eyes on the inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for him. And his reward is when he sees his Redeemer face to face. And longing for the very words, well done, good and faithful servant. Charles Spurgeon once said, 
But the man who delights in God's word, being taught by it, brings forth patience in the time of suffering, faith in the day of trial, and holy joy in the hour of prosperity. The fruit of the wicked man is like a chaff. Now, a chaff is like a dry uh, outer covering, uh, like a wheat. Uh, if I'm going to contextualize, like rice, you know? <laughs> if, if you, it is empty, it's meaningless, it's a pile of rubbish. When you throw out in the air, the farmer doesn't want it, the wind just blows it away because it's light, it's, it's meaningless, it's, em- it's nothing. Uh, the farmer wants it out. Now, in Jeremiah 17, verse 5 to 8, This passage elaborates Psalm 1. Allow me to read it to you. Thus say the Lord, this is Jeremiah 17, 5 to 8, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an inhabited salt land. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. The wicked man's priorities are always focused on himself. And everything that he does is for his own happiness. But the blessed man has its faithfulness as its fruit. His priority is the happiness of the father that greatly produces fruits that his children benefit from. Friends, in serving the Lord, have you considered the motives of your hearts? Have you considered the nature of your fruit? When you preach, teach, mentor someone, train others, do Bible studies, share the gospel, when you give, are you doing it for God's happiness? Are you doing it for your happiness? Does your fruit benefit you more than it benefits the body, the church? Does this glorify you more then it does glorifying God. What is true happiness? Where to find it? What is its fruit? Number four and last, how to get true happiness. How? Verse five to six. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. How do we get true happiness? The answer is, we can't. We can't get true happiness. Here's the truth. As much as we wanted true and lasting happiness, we never really wanted it, nor can we attain it. First of all, we want a happiness that is defined by our own terms which is happiness that is centered in ourselves, not on God's. Our pursuit of happiness has led us to lie, cheat, steal, betray relationships, turn us into hypocrites, commits acts of immorality, and has led us to do addictive patterns. We want a happiness that is devoid of holiness. 
That's the type of happiness the fallen man wants. Another reason is we will never attain true happiness. Why? Because we have failed to do what the blessed man did perfectly in Psalm 1. We all failed what he did perfectly. As a result, in verse 5, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor the sinners in the congregation of the righteous. What's interesting is this. The blessed man in verse 1 is in the singular form. And when he gets to verse 4, the ungodly wicked man is in the plural form. So we see here another contrast. Singular, blessed man, wicked man, plural. A contrast between them. Could it be that the psalmist has intentionally done this so that it could be used as a device to examine ourselves? Could it be that he wants us to measure ourselves with the blessed man? How do we get true happiness? Remember in our second point, we mentioned that happiness is found in the meditation of God's word. Psalm 19 verse 7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. But how does the word of God revive the soul? Well, because the blessed man in verse 1 points to the word who became flesh. It points to the ultimate righteous man, the righteousness of God, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the blessed man in verse 1. He is the truly happy man. Jesus is the only righteous man who walked not in the counsel of the God, ungodly. Jesus is the only righteous man that did not stand in the ways of sinners. Jesus is the only righteous man who did not sit in the seats of scoffers. Jesus is the only righteous man who perfectly delighted in God's word. Jesus is the only righteous man who meditated on God's word day and night. Jesus is the only righteous man who is planted by the streams of water that the leaves did not wither. Jesus is the blessed man of Psalm 1. On that cross where he experienced the deepest, darkest season of his ministry. Ministry, but he did not falter. He did not give in. He endured till the end. Why? Why did he endure? It is because of the joy that is set before him. Jesus endured and died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins and was raised to life for our justification. This happy man gives an invitation to us to repent from our sins and put our faith in Christ's finished work on the cross for our eternal salvation, for our eternal happiness. Jesus, the Savior, is the blessed man. He is the faithful servant that entered the joy of his Father. Jesus left the joys in, of heaven in order to bring us to the joy of the Father. 
our outward expressions of cheerfulness and glee only mask desperate hearts that longs for an eternal joy and delight that only the happy news of Jesus Christ can address. That's why there is a warning in verse 6. The way of the wicked will perish. No Jesus, no true happiness. Notice I, make, I added the word true because there are a lot of happiness in the world. No Jesus, no true happiness. Because hell, our friends, uh, my friends, hell is the place where the blissful presence of God is absent. God does not exist, well, the presence of God does not exist, but only God's wrathful presence. And so hell is the absence of God's happiness. So God indeed the truth is the true source of our happiness. No Jesus, no true happiness. Because in Psalm 32 verse 1, happy is the one whose sins are forgiven. Your sins, my sins, can be forgiven if you repent and put your faith in Christ. Pastor, you don't understand what I did. You have no idea. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because God is not looking at your good works, but the good works of the Son who died for your sins. Repent from trying to earn good works in order to win favor from God or to make Him happy because you cannot. Only Christ can make God happy. This is my Son, my only Son, whom I am happy. You need the Son. The happy news is there is forgiveness in Christ. True happiness is not found in the things that we can buy in Dubai or in Abu Dhabi or in the UAE. Happiness cannot be found on human relationships, on any human acclamation or that dream job, that dream vacation or race or getting the higher educational degrees or in ministry programs, not even in numbers, not on good health, not in enormous wealth, all these are temporal, they grow old, they get rotten, destroyed, they die. And if you are anchoring, banking on those foundations, you will be disappointed. True happiness, you want eternal happiness, you go to the eternal God. True happiness is being in union with the blessed man. That's your true happiness. How does this benefit us then? Romans chapter 5, verse 19. So by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. It is through the blessed man all of us became righteous. True happiness is being in union with the blessed man. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Come to me and I will give you rest. Are you tired? Here's an invitation. Jesus promises eternal rest because he is the blessed man. No one can delight on the word of God without Jesus. You are not blessed when you meditate on God's word. You are blessed because you are in the blessed man. That's your true source of happiness. We do not go to the word of God. We do not go to the people of God or the church to become happy. We go to God to see and savor Christ because Christ is your happiness. Let us pray.
Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for sending your son, your only son, whom you are well pleased. Thank you that through Jesus Christ, we have true righteousness, peace, and happiness. We pray as as ministers of the word that we would be marked by joy, regardless the extremities of ministry pressures or challenges or or afflictions or, or sickness or pain or financial difficulties, knowing that our true happiness is based on that on not on our present circumstances, but on the one true permanent circumstance, Jesus Christ, because of the union we have with him. Oh, my prayer, Father, is that you would open eyes and open hearts to those who are not trusting you yet so that they may find you and delight in you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.